But Michelle grew up here in this area, and Brother Don and Miss Jerry were very invested in her life. And look, people come from all kinds of backgrounds, and, and some of them are very good, and some of them um, have challenges in them. And Brother Don and Miss Jerry have just loved a lot of people, though they don't have their own children. I believe they have a lot of spiritual children. And Michelle is one of those young ladies. Then God works in Michelle's life. She goes to Bible college, meets Ed. They get married. And now they're serving the Lord together. They minister in the town of Halstead, Kansas. I believe you told me that's north of Wichita, right? So Halstead, farming community, about 2,000 people. And then just, you know how it is in those farming areas. It's just people littered throughout the area. And yet God cares about big cities and he cares about little towns. And he does great works in big cities and in little towns. And the reach of his kingdom is not limited to a particular population zone. He is working in all kinds of places. And uh, Brother Ed and Miss Michelle have been at Halstead Baptist Church, just celebrated their 15th anniversary. And a church that's been in existence, I, I think, for some 60 or more years and, and gone through what many churches have gone through, just turnover after turnover after turnover with pastors. And God has given them a heart just to be faithful and to be planted with the people of God there in Halstead. And so that alone is worth hearing about. It's a blessing, man. I'm just, and, and I want us to know people like this. You know how sometimes you, you get into just a routine or, or you kind of get overwhelmed with things and you can think kind of like, Elijah, I'm the only one. And we need to remember that in big cities and small towns, the work of God is going on in places we'll never know about. And man, we need to be excited about that, and we get to be we get to be a part of that. And then, uh, brother Ed, just brother Ed, and Miss Michelle, they just they live godly lives, and it's not like he and I talk a whole lot, but when we see each other, it's good. And I'm thankful for his faithfulness and for their love for the Lord. And so we're excited about you preaching to us tonight, bro. Thanks for being here. God bless you as you deliver the word. Amen. Well, I appreciate Pastor Pyle and the opportunity to be able to. Bring the word tonight. Pray to be a blessing to you. I'm thankful for Brother Don and Miss Jerry and the special place that they have in our hearts and in our lives. And the, again, the influence. Amen. You know, somebody's got to influence godly girls. Amen. Girls to be godly so that they can marry a godly man and that they can have a godly family. And I praise the Lord for the influence that they have had in my wife's life and the opportunity I have to have a godly girl. I, I thank God every day for the wife that he has given me. And I tell you what, marrying God's choice is next to your salvation is the best decision Amen. that you could ever make. And I'm thankful uh, for their influence. I'm thankful for my wife, thankful for my family. I look out there and I see those precious girls and I think, praise the Lord. Again, somebody's got to raise godly girls so that godly men can marry them and they can have a godly seed. God can be praised and glorified. Uh, and that's kind of what I'd like to talk to you about tonight. So take your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 78, Psalm 78. And if you're able to, we invite you to stand as we read the scriptures tonight. Psalm chapter 78, the title of the message is simply this, pass it on, pass it on. There's a lot of things we pass on, but there's something most important that we ought to pass on. And Lord willing, we'll help to communicate that tonight. But Psalm chapter 78, I want to draw your attention to... The first verse here, we're going to read the first eight verses tonight, give you a little bit of a snapshot of the whole chapter just right at the beginning, but really want to hone in on these first eight verses and more directly verses six through eight. But the Bible says, give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers 
that they should make them known to their children. Why, we might ask, that the generation to come might know them. Even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. I'd like to talk to you tonight about the simple thought, pass it on, pass it on. Let's pray and then we'll let you be seated. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the privilege that we have to get to be here tonight in your house. We're thankful for the West Valley Baptist Church, thankful for the testimony that this church has. Thank you for the faithfulness of their people and of the pastor and their family. Lord, we're grateful for the friendship and just the relationship that we have with you and with one another through Christ. What a blessing. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear tonight. Help us to have hearts that would be tender and teachable so that you can transform them in the way that you would desire. And Father, I pray that you'd be with my mouth, Lord. Be with my thoughts. Help my thoughts to be clear. Help my words to be right. Lord, help me to not say anything that I should not say. And Lord, I pray that you would please help me as I endeavor to communicate just a simple message that I believe you'd have for us tonight. Lord, we'll thank you so much for that. Lord, I'm just reminded where Jesus said, for without me, you can do nothing. And Lord, I just acknowledge I cannot do anything without you, but I acknowledge as well, though, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And I'm thankful for the strength that I know that you'll provide. I'm thankful for the way that I know that you'll work. And we just want to pray that when it comes down to the invitation time, that our response to you would be exactly what you're looking for in each of us, that you might get the glory. And Father, that the decisions and the choices that we make here would impact eternity for your glory and for the good of those that are here tonight. We'll thank you for that because we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can go ahead and be seated. Every generation receives things from the previous one. Every one of us could look back at the previous generations that have come before us and realize, I've received something from that generation. Because every one of us receives things from the previous generation. But at the same point in time, every one of us are passing something to the next generation. And just as we have received... So we have a tendency, and we do, pass along to future generations. Some of those things that can be passed along are, in some regards, automatic. For example, think about a family, think about a parent-child relationship. There are certain things from uh, me that my children receive that they have no control over. Their looks. Their sterling personality. Now. Um, I want you to think about, there are some things that just are, are passed along. Think about the mannerisms, perhaps, that you have, that you find yourself, that when you were a kid, you, you maybe, uh, maybe were irritated about that your parents did, and now that you're a parent, or now that you're a grandparent, you find yourself doing those same things, saying those same things, and immediately the thought comes to your mind, oh, that's my mom, oh, that's my dad. I vowed I would never do that, and yet here I am, I'm doing those exact same things. Why? Because there are things that are passed down that we've received, and there are some things that are just automatic, and they just naturally come, and we can't help those things. We could say it this way, they're in the genes. We were talking the other night about this, that there are, I call them blanchettisms, that there are just some things that just have passed down through my family that my children do, that my youngest daughter does, and she's never met my dad. And yet she does some of the same things that he does. And it's interesting that having never met him, she acts just like him sometimes. She does certain things that he does. And I think to myself, wow, isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? There are certain things that are just passed down automatically. But yet there are other things, and we understand this to be true as well. There are some things that, well, they're not passed down automatically. Wouldn't that be a blessing, parents, if you didn't have to teach your children to tell the truth? 
Wouldn't it be a blessing if you didn't have to teach your children to be obedient the first time? That they just naturally got it. And it wasn't just immediate obedience. It was happy-hearted obedience. It was like, I go, sir. I go, ma'am. And off they went. Wouldn't it be a blessing if they not only obeyed immediately and happy-heartedly, but if they obeyed all the way? And it wasn't, okay, your shoes made it halfway down the hall, but they made it all the way to the clothes closet and into the shoe thing. What a blessing. But there are some things that must be purposefully instructed. I want you to think about this idea of character that we have to purposefully instill in those future generations, in those children, that honesty, that integrity, that respect, that that personal responsibility. Boy, isn't that lacking in our society today where people aren't willing to just naturally take, or we might say it this way, not willing to take just personal responsibility for their choices and their decisions. And even if it's wrong to own it and say, that was my fault. I was wrong in that moment. Wouldn't it be a blessing? But those things are not innate. They have to be taught. They have to be nurtured. I want you to think about the idea of hard work. Doing a job, not just to get it done, but doing a job so that it's well done. I want you to think about there are some things that purposefully have to be instructed and purposefully have to be instilled that they might be passed down. And there's a host of other things that we might talk about. But I want you to notice, because as we approach our text, one of the things that the writer and that the Holy Spirit of God wants to impress upon us is that the greatest thing that anyone can pass on to the next generation is a knowledge of God and His Word in order that those to whom that knowledge is given might for themselves come to know the Lord, walk in His ways, and effectively communicate His Word and His person To the next generation. I want you to think about this. The world around us is endeavoring to teach the next generation to be godless. Would to God that we as his people would be just as purposeful, if not more so, to endeavor to help the next generation to be godly. Because it doesn't happen by accident. It happens on purpose. There are some things that are meant to be passed along. I submit to you that you cannot force someone else to have a right relationship with God. You can't. I wish I could. I wish I could walk up to any uh, one of my children, any uh, one of my family members. I wish that I could walk up to anyone uh, that I dearly love at Halstead Baptist Church. I think about that precious church that God's allowed us to minister among and with. I I wish I could walk up to each one of them and just flip that switch that'll make them say, I love the Lord and I'll serve Him faithfully. But that switch is nowhere that I can reach. And while I can't make anybody else's decision for them, Here's what we can all do. We can endeavor to nurture a climate and an environment in which that decision might be that much more easily made by any one of them. I want you to think about passing it on. Notice here in our text, we're looking at a psalm that is very instructive, very practical, that as Asaph is giving uh, this psalm, as he's communicating this, uh, this psalm is more than mere history. I want you to think about this, that that, that Asaph is not communicating some of the historical facts to his people and to his nation in order that they just might walk away going, well, that was a great history lesson. But I want you to think about that he is endeavoring to communicate this truth to them that they might learn God's principle for their life of passing on him and a knowledge of him and a right relationship with him and his word to the next generation, that future generations might receive the Lord and walk purposefully with Him to the degree that they might then instruct next generation after the next generation after the next generation. As we make our way through this, uh, these eight verses tonight and through more directly verses 6 through 8, I want to just point out a simple but timeless truth, and that is this. God and His Word are meant to be conveyed to every generation. God and His Word 
are meant to be communicated, conveyed to every generation. And as we contemplate that tonight, I want you to think about that purpose. The purpose regarding that. There's a, there's a plea that we find here in the first verse. Notice as Asaph says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. How many of you as parents, how many of you as husbands or wives have turned to that person that you're talking to, whether it be your spouse, whether it be your child? How many of you kids have looked to your parents and said, Can you please listen for a minute? Can you please hear what I'm about to say? Because what I'm about to say is very, very important. That's Asaph. That's essentially what he is doing right here. As he cries out to his countrymen, as he calls out to the people of God, says, listen and pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. Because what I'm about to tell you is of eternal value and it is of significant value. Uh, truth to you. you. You must grasp this. You must hear this. You must accept this into your ears. Notice, incline your ear. That has the idea of bending the ear and listening to what is being said. Because God wants us to take heed to His Word. I want us to think about and reflect upon the heart and the passion that Asaph, the writer, the human author here has for uh, his people, that they hear God's truth, that they hear God's word. And I want you to reflect and consider with me as well the passion that God has, that you and I hear what he has to say. Because God speaks in order that we might hear, that we might know his voice and that we might know his person that we might be able to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that God wants you to know Him. And so He's taking the time to speak. But He's not just concerned about you and I knowing Him. He wants the next generation to know Him. I love watching the little kids up here just singing and just belting it out. Watching them as, as, they're, as, as they're just they're slowly getting I loved I loved you guys. You stood up here and you quoted uh, 1 Corinthians 15.58. Love that. Love hearing them recite the Word of God and, and just, mm, it's great. Why? What are we doing? We're trying to put God's Word into your hearts in order that God's Word might affect your life and transform it so that you might honor and glorify Him and become all of what He means for you to be. See, God's got a purpose for each of you. That each of you are here on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. And, and, and here's what we're meant to do. We're meant to realize God's purpose for our lives. And here's Asaph, listen, he's wanting people to hear what God has to say so that God's purpose can be realized in their lives. Notice there's a pronouncement about God and His Word that we find as he says, I will open my mouth in a parable, will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. That Asaph is essentially saying, what I'm about to tell you and what the remainder of the psalm would be about was not new information as such that they had never heard of it before. But notice he uses this term parable to, to imply that, again, this is more than just a mere history lesson, but rather there's eternal truth that God means for us to learn and to glean from this account and from this history and from God's marvelous and magnificent workings among His people in days gone by. Because how God has been in the past is how He desires to be in the present and who He's going to be in the future. That He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That He doesn't change and He's consistent and He's dependable. And God's people are meant to look to Him and to learn of Him and to grow. I love how you talked about this morning. We have an infinite God. And we're never going to fully understand Him. But at the same point in time, we ought to ever be desiring to grow closer to Him. Because of who He is and in light of who He is. And, and so notice here, there's this purpose that He reveals and that He begins to really kind of hone in on in verse number 4 as He describes that we've been given something that we don't want to hide. Notice here in verse number 4, He says, We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. I see a determination here. By Asaph, as he notices that we will not hide them from our children, from their children. There, notice there that indicated is that there's the potential that truth could be hidden. Uh, notice here, there's a tendency 
That truth that is meant to be passed along is withheld. How could that happen? Well, it could happen in one of two ways. Unintentionally or intentionally. You ever done something unintentional that you look back on and said, oops, I'm sorry, officer, I didn't realize I was supposed to stop for that sign. I'll stop twice next time. Notice that there are some times where we do something unintentionally. Who ate the, piece of, the last piece of chocolate cake? That was for Grandma. Oh, no. I didn't realize that Grandma was coming over and that I shouldn't have eaten that last piece of chocolate cake. Sometimes there's some things that you do that are unintentional. God forbid that we should unintentionally withhold from the next generation or from any generation truth. But you know what? There are some people that just don't know any better. They just don't know any better. You know, listen, there was a time in my life where I didn't even know any better. And there's probably a time in your life where you didn't know any better either. You didn't know that, hey, this is how God expects me to live. This is what God expects me to do. This is how God expects me to respond to Him. This is my responsibility to my wife, to my husband, to my kids, to my parents, to other people. There are times where we didn't realize and unintentionally, listen, we're not doing what God wants us to do. And that's a shame. But praise God when somebody opens their mouth, like Asaph's doing, and speaks so that we know, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then notice here, that, that, that's, that's a shame when we don't know any better, but it's a, shame, it's a worse shame when we know better and we choose not to anyway. Because here's what we can do. Notice as he says, we will not hide them from their children. The reality is, is that intentionally this could be withheld. Why? Well, because I didn't appreciate what it felt like when somebody rebuked me from God's word. So I'm not going to pass that on. Well, wait a minute. Don't you think that God knows that they need that too? That, that notice there that, that he's going to talk about how the generation that preceded, that previous generations had been rebellious. They had been stubborn. Notice they had not been of a right spirit or of a right heart attitude. Verse number 8 there, that they had not set their heart aright. That that is the natural propensity and tendency of any generation. And notice here that sometimes intentionally God's truth is not passed along like it ought to be. In other words, we know better, but we choose not to anyway. I want you to think about the reality that he, he speaks of a decision to declare what has been declared. That every generation continually needs to be making the decision to declare what has been declared. He continues by saying, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. Uh, notice there, we're not meant to hide them, but we're meant to communicate them. God is worthy of our praise. God is worthy that His strength be put on display. Why? He's a powerful God. He's an all-powerful God. The, the Bible tells us that He created all things by the word of His power. The Bible tells us that He upholds all things by the word of His power. The Bible tells us that daily He loads us with benefits. Every day, God causes His Son to shine on the just and on the unjust. Every day, God is constantly blessing you and me. And God is constantly giving to those that will purposefully and willfully reject Him. And yet He's merciful and He's gracious and He's slow to anger, and He's plenteous in mercy. The Bible describes a God of great strength. Notice He talks about His wonderful works that He hath done, that over and over again in Israel's history, and in your history, and in my history, we could look back and say, God was good there, and God was good there, and God was good there, and God was good there. God's been good to you and to me. And if all He ever gave you was eternity in heaven with Him because of His the precious blood of Jesus Christ, if that's all that you ever got, was salvation, full and free, all of your sin, paid for, His righteousness, eternal life, if that's all that you got, you'd be blessed beyond measure, and so would I. But that's not all that you got when you got Christ. I want you to think about joint heirs with Jesus Christ. All that's His is yours and mine. 
I want you to think about the family of God. This, I, here on Wednesday night, just listening to people say, I'm so thankful for my church family. I'm so thankful for my church family. You know, it's good to hear a church say, I'm so thankful for my church family. What a blessing. Praise God for the church. And praise God for the family that the church family is. Uh, then notice there, we live far from our families. We live in Kansas. I'm, pra- I'm praising God that we get to be here. I'm praising God for the time we're going to get to spend uh, tomorrow and uh, Tuesday with Michelle's family that's over in Washington. We're looking forward to that. I praise the Lord for the opportunity. I got to see uh, my brother and my two sisters earlier in the fall here up at, they live in Rhode Island and in Louisiana, and, and we got to get together for just a little bit, uh, the four of us together in one place, first time in almost 25 years. We got to be able to do that. I'm thankful for that. But you know what? Here's, here's what God has provided and here's what God has given over the years. A church family. Amen. To be our family Amen. as we simply serve the Lord where we're at. And God's given you that here. Listen, God has blessed you. He has done wonderful works Amen. in your life and in mine. Amen. And what a blessing. Asaph says, we don't want to hide those truths from the next generation. We want the next generation and generations that follow to ever be able to look back at what God did and ever be able to recognize what He's doing and with great expectation look forward to what He will do because we've taught them to know Him and to walk with Him. I want us to notice that there is a determination of His purpose, but there's a design in the purpose as well, because God designed the means through which His purpose might be effectively fulfilled. The Bible says, For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Notice there that God established a testimony. That God set up a standard. That God, that God gave them something by which they might know Him and by way of which they might honor Him as they followed Him. God's testimony, His word, His law, that He established it. God gave the written word to the nation of Israel so that they might then teach their children to know God and to walk with Him in righteousness and in true holiness. That it might draw them close to Him. They might be a people that would be peculiar, holy, that they might walk humbly with Him. Notice the burden that He places upon the Father's shoulders. Notice He says, which He commanded our fathers. I'm not saying that mothers can't teach their children things because they can. We'll get to that in a minute. But I want you just to notice the burden that He places upon men. To do what? To be a spiritual man. To be a godly man. To be a man that walks humbly with the Lord and instills within the next generation. Men, we ought to take the lead in walking with God. And we ought to be that individual that is someone that is humbly following after our Creator and setting the standard and setting the example so that not only our wives but our children might know What does walking with God look like? What does a godly person's life look like? We ought to be able to look at a father if that father is there. I want you to think about the fact that God would further say in Deuteronomy, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, lest they depart from thine heart all the days of thy life. But teach them to thy sons and to thy sons' sons. Notice he goes on to say in Deuteronomy 4, he would say, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, this is Moses speaking, I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days of their life, that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. Again and again, one of the things that God wanted was that the next generation be instructed. That the next generation be taught. Notice the testimony for the true and living God was meant to be transmitted from generation to generation. Carefully, deliberately, 
purposefully. There's a lot of things that they would do purposefully. God says, teach your children about me purposefully. Make sure that they know me diligently. Notice there, the Bible would describe, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. In other words, every opportunity, teach the next generation to know me. Every opportunity, regardless of where you're at, regardless of what you're doing, we ought to be endeavoring to communicate to the next generation the person of God and the precepts of God. That There's a design in God's purpose. I want you to see that there's a defining of God's purpose, that God has defined the meaning of His purpose in order that we might shape our movement about it. Again, verse number 6, he says that the generation to come might know them. God says, I want the next generation to know that. That term know, it speaks of perception and discernment. You ever look at something and not realize what you were looking at? You're sitting there and you're like, what is that? Can't tell you how many times I've sat in a deer blind with my crossbow, looking out into the tree row there and going, what is that? Hoping that it was a deer, not knowing if it was a deer until it moved. But you think about this, you get the binoculars out, get your scope out, you're, you're, you're looking diligently, you're looking carefully, you're inspecting it, you're giving all of your attention to it. God says, I want the next generation to know something. I want them to discern some things about me. Notice there, uh, that knowledge there is not merely a perception of the discernment, but it speaks of experience as well. See, God doesn't merely want us to have a head knowledge of Him. He wants us to have a hand knowledge of Him as well. Whereby we find out by way of experience in the way that our lives are lived. God is faithful. God is good. God is holy. God is merciful. God is righteous. And on and on we could go. But notice there, there's the testimony of God that is meant to be given. From one generation to the next The present generation has the duty to pass to the next generation eternal truth from God's Word. Moreover, as they teach that next generation, they should do so with such diligence that that generation that comes up might be able to receive it and choose to receive it in such a way as that they will in turn be motivated to pass it on to the next generation. That, that's quite a, <clears throat> quite a burden of responsibility. That my influence would be such, that would be of such an impactful nature that it would cause those that I am endeavoring to influence to be so changed by it that they in turn would pass it on exactly the way that they had received it. Listen, God wants to be known for who He is by every generation. And He wants every generation to know Him and to walk with Him and to love Him. Then notice there He says that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. I want you to notice that term hope there. That speaks of confidence. God desires that people would be confident not in themselves, Not in the economy, not in the government, not not in their own wisdom, not in their own strength, not in their own abilities, but in Him. That our hope, our confidence for, as Pastor was talking about this morning, for salvation, for service, for strength, for anything that you do, that it be in Him. That it be rooted and grounded in God, knowing that He is the source that He is sufficient, and that we would look to Him and depend upon Him. Notice there that we would train our children to place their confidence in God and in what He will do and what He can do and what only He can do. Moreover, it is our duty to train our children that they not forget the works of God. I want you to think about these parents and what they were meant to do is whether they were sitting in their house, whether they were walking in the way, whether they were lying down, whether they were getting up, that they would help their children see See that right there? Yeah, God did that. See that over there? Yeah, 
God created that. You know why we have this? Why, Dad? Because God gave that to us. They walk out into the field as they're plowing with the ox, as they're uh, working the cattle, whatever it might be. See all this good land that God gave us? See these fruit trees? See these vineyards? See these plants? See these crops? You know why we have these? Why, Dad? Because God is good. And God blessed us with this. And God gives us strength to work the ground. And God gives us strength to work with our hands. And God gives us blessings untold. You know why we were able to protect that border? You know why we were able to defeat that enemy? Why, Dad? Because God gave us the victory. Because God is our victory. That over and over again, practically speaking, they would understand God is at work. And He's at work in our lives. And that they would see God in real time. The remainder of this psalm describes a lot of God's working in the past. But again, they were meant to see God's working in the present. And in order to be able to connect the dots on that, they needed someone that knew Him and that was walking with Him to say, See that? That's God. I want us to think about the responsibility that he's describing here that is meant to be passed on. It's the duty of a parent. So so train the children that they do what? That they keep His commandments. Notice the last part of that verse there in verse number 7. But keep His commandments. The old song, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Or a spanking you'll receive. I mean, what joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Listen, God wanted the children to be taught, the next generation to be taught, listen, the value of walking in step with Him, not out of step. Listen, our, the generation that is on the scene right now, and it's, it's just indicative of our own human heart, but we so naturally want to be out of step with God. We so naturally think that we're creating a new path, that we're doing new things, that we're we're so hip and we're so trendy and we're so amazing. And yet it's never trendy to be out of step with God. And yet that's what people desire to do and are teaching the next generation, sadly, to do. And yet God means for His people to teach their children, walk with God. Obey God. Well, how do I know what to do? How do I know what obedience is? Word of God. That God's given us His precepts. He's given us His law. He's given us the testimony that we might know what does obedience look like. Uh, Again, we think about immediate, wholehearted and happy-hearted obedience here. There's a training that is meant to take place to the degree that that generation would furthermore not fall into the error of past generations. Look at verse number 8. Because he says... And might not be as their fathers. You know, there are times where we might say, don't be like that. Don't be like that. See how that man over there lost his temper? See how that man over there is treating his wife like an idiot or like a slave? Don't be like that. See how that mother is screaming at her children? Don't be like that. I I can remember, especially when the kids were small, we'd be walking down the store aisle, uh, the aisles at the store, and the kids would be in the cart, and we'd be walking around, and I'll just say it this way. We used to call them the screaming Walmart child. Child would be sitting there, Ah! Because I want, I want, I want, and until I get, I'm going to embarrass you and shame you until you give me what I want. I remember walking down, we'd see these little screaming Walmart children, and I'd tell my children, and they'd be like, infants, don't you learn their ways. Don't you dare be like that. There are certain things that God doesn't want us to be. And there are certain things, ma'am, sir, 
young person, that God not only doesn't want you to learn, but He never wants you to communicate to somebody else. Don't be stubborn. You can be determined about the right things, but don't be stubborn. God says, come. No. God says, yield. No. Hey, don't be stubborn when God is speaking to you. Don't dig your heels in against God's will. Tenderness is what God's looking for. Listen, all of us, doesn't, the sweetest little child in here or in the nursery has a propensity to be stubborn and to not want to do what they're told and what is right. And every single one of us in here, I don't know most of you, I know some of you, and I know me. And listen, I know that my heart is just as stubborn at times against God. God says, don't be like that. Don't be rebellious. You know, rebellious speaks of that much more of a malicious intent. Where I know what God expects and I know what He wants, but I'm going to do something different anyway. Because I want to. And because it's my life, my body, my choice. I hear that all the time. I hate that. Because if you're saved, it's not your body and it's not your choice. It's His body, therefore it's His choice. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have of God and you're not your own. You're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Don't be a rebel when it comes to God. Because that's what the previous generation was. And God destroyed them. You read back in the Old Testament, you read back in Exodus and Numbers, and how many times did God open the ground, strike them with lightning, send fiery serpents among them? Why? To teach us, don't be like that. Listen, Asaph's telling Israel of his day, his countrymen, don't be like that. And don't teach the next generation to be like that. That God doesn't want us to be like that. Notice, God doesn't want us to be a generation that set not their heart aright. I want you to think about when something's set aright, it's put in its proper place. When something is set aright, it's exactly where it's supposed to be. Listen, too often generations come and generations go and their heart is not where it should be with God. Don't teach the next generation to be like that. Listen, God wants a generation to be raised up continuously that knows where their heart belongs. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Listen, God wants us to set our hearts aright. And in a world that is continuously trying to set your heart wrong, God wants you to set your heart aright. And He wants you in the process of doing that then to have such an influence on the next generation that they choose to as well and rise up and teach that next generation, and on, and on, and on, and on it goes. Notice, there's a generation that didn't set their heart aright. There's a generation whose spirit was not steadfast. That word steadfast speaks of being faithful. Moreover, it is required in stewards, the Bible says, that a man be found popular. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found wealthy. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found sarcastic, witty, smart. Moreover, it's required in stewards that that a man be found handsome, strong. Listen, 
we oftentimes insert so many other adjectives and descriptive terms about what we think God is looking for in our lives. God says this generation, their spirit wasn't steadfast. God's looking for faithfulness. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I wonder what God could do in this generation if just this group of people would have a heart that was steadfast for Him continually. I wonder what God could do for the Nampa Caldwell, Boise, state of Idaho. I wonder what God could do throughout the United States if just this group of people said, by God's grace... I'll pass it on. I want us to reflect on the burden that God places upon our shoulders. As God says that He desires that Him and His Word, His person and His precepts be communicated to every generation. I want you to think about the burden that God places upon our shoulders God means for our generation to impact the next. So look around you and see who's around you and know that God means to you and me to affect those around us. And as we're endeavoring to reach this generation, think about the generation that maybe is behind you that isn't fully passed off the scene. That needs to be impacted too. There's always somebody that's probably younger than you. And there's likely somebody that's older than you. And yet God means for all of us to be influencing those around us. I want you to reflect with me several different thoughts and then we'll be done. About conveying God and His word to every generation. Number one, in order to convey God and His word to another, you must first know Him yourself. I can't tell you about somebody I've never met. I can't tell you about somebody I don't know. But I can tell you a lot about someone that I do. And in order for us to be able to tell somebody else about Him, we have to know Him ourselves. Do you know Him tonight? You know, the worst possible thing that could happen is that you come here tonight not knowing the Lord and leave the same way you came. Because He's the greatest person that you need to know and that you can know. And He's the one, listen, that if you don't know, you'll regret for all of eternity never meeting and never knowing. If God took your life today and you died, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? You say, how can you know that? Because the Bible says that you can know that. And in order for this generation to tell the next generation about the God of the Bible, they have to know the God of the Bible. And in order for you and I to tell the next generation, you need to know the God of the Bible. I want to challenge you, if you don't know Him tonight, come to know Him. Talk to pastor, talk to one of the staff, talk to myself. We'd be happy to take the Word of God and show you how you can know. But I want you to reflect with me on the imperative nature of this truth about conveying God and His Word to the next generation, to every generation. You know, there are some things that are suggestions. If you have time, could you get to this? You've probably heard that before. If you get opportunity, could you take a look at that for me? Yeah, sure. There are some times where things are suggestions, and there are other times where they're clear-cut, that's what you're supposed to do. And this is... Listen, God is telling this next generation, that's what you're supposed to do. He's telling you and me, this is an obligation, this is a responsibility, a burden that is placed upon us to instruct and impact the next generation. And consider what is lost if we fail to carry out this most essential responsibility. Reflect on the fact that if we fail... In this most essential responsibility, a generation will arise that doesn't know the Lord or His Word. And then consider the ripple effect that that brings. If one generation fails to teach the next generation, 
that generation arises and eventually teaches their children to live apart from God, and the cycle perpetuates itself over and over and over again. And there would arise a generation that knew not the Lord. And it happened in Israel, and it happens all around us. And it's happening in our beloved United States of America. And it's been happening for quite some time. And you have a society where wickedness and evil is being touted as normal and acceptable. And what is truly moral and upright in the sight of God is disdained, despised, and even degraded. And if we will make, and, and it will make it that much more daunting of a task for future generations. If this generation fails to teach the next generation. I want you to think about this though. The greater risk is that a greater number of people, generations, come under the judgment of God rather than experiencing the grace of God. You know the Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning His promises as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when a generation fails to do exactly what God is commanding the generation to do, there's a greater potential that those that God means to experience His grace end up finding nothing but His wrath. I want to challenge you tonight. God means for us to not only know Him, but He means for us to walk with Him. And He means for us to personally make a choice to endeavor to invest in the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. He means for us to pass it on. You know, there are so many things that get passed on. Some things, they get passed on automatically. My children look like my wife and I. It's funny how that happens. There are things that parents and grandparents pass down to their children and to their grandchildren by way of heirlooms, by way of mannerisms, by way of habits, by way of characteristics. But nothing should be more greatly endeavored to be passed along to the next generation than a knowledge of God and a relationship that is close and intimate with him. I want to challenge you tonight. Pass it on. Father, we love you and we're so thankful that you love us. We're so thankful for what we have that is meant to be communicated to the next generation. And we humbly ask and we humbly pray that you would help us to ever purpose and purposefully be endeavoring to communicate you and your word to others. God, work a work in our hearts tonight and accomplish your will for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. As we stand with heads bowed, as eyes closed, God spoke in your heart tonight. I'd like to give you the opportunity to speak back to Him.